Ulterior. Hey, what's up? Everybody? How's it going? How y'all doing? Uh, so I'm Arson, or Carlos, or whatever you know me as, um, and this isn't like a, a regular episode, it's a bonus episode, as you can see by the little Spotify artwork that I worked very, very hard on, uh, please appreciate it. Um, so I am recording this a couple days before intending to release it, and I, I'm just doing it to kind of like have it be ready for when it's going to go up. Um, so Tuesday, January 25th is a, it, it, it kind of do be a special day for me personally. Um, it was a day where three years ago in 2019, I fully understood like the purpose of music being such an integral part of my life. Everything in the moment that I was listening to this record, it all made sense. And the profound impact that it had on me back then, I still feel it every single day of my life. You know, it's been three years at this point. There has not been a single day since then where I haven't at least thought of this record. Maybe there's gone days where I didn't listen to anything off of it, but I have thought about this album every single day over the last three years. Um, and then even beyond that too, because like, uh, the record had been announced before uh, January, and you know it, it's a really, really big deal to me. And to kind of like commemorate uh, the occasion, I really wanted to just take some time to explain to all of you, the listener, uh, why this is my favorite record of all time, out of every bit of music that has ever been released in the history of history. This is my number one. And I've known that that was going to be the case ever since I finished it for the very first time three years ago. So after I play the intro, uh, I will get incredibly detailed about the life-changing event that was Amo by Bring Me the Horizon. I think love transcends, you know, language, skin color and race and everything else. And, and you don't really have a choice in, in love when it comes down to it. Meeting Alyssa really kind of solidified that there is something there for me anyway. It made me a firm believer in, I guess, some kind of cosmic magnetism because if you want something if you, and you manifest it in your, in, in your mind and you deserve it, I think, um, I think it, it can happen. So my intention with this episode is to kind of just explain, you know, why this is the case because I understand it's probably abnormal for somebody like myself who has been, like, integrated into this scene for as long as I have to say that, you know, not only is my favorite record ever only three years old, but it is the most radically different Bring Me the Horizon record ever made. Um, you know, uh, so, okay, here's how I'm going to do this. I, I do want to like go track by track and explain every single song here, what my connection to them is, what I felt the first time I heard them, because all these songs, I genuinely remember where I was when I listened to them for the very first time. Um... What I will say now is that uh, this has happened a couple times, and I, I don't get offended by it. Um, I find it kind of fascinating that uh, this is apparently like so uncommon to feel this kind of adoration for this record as somebody in my position. There have been some instances where I tell somebody, whether it be you know over Discord or Twitter, some other kind of a social space, uh, I tell them that my favorite album of all time is Amo, and. The, the question immediately afterwards is, when did I get into Bring Me the Horizon? Because I think the generalization is that for Amo to be your favorite record ever, or at least even a record that you enjoy heavily, you had to have been a recent fan of Bring Me. Um, I discovered Bring Me the Horizon maybe like two months after Suicide Season dropped. So this is at the end of 2008. Um, I came across a... Uh, it was like this video game uh, montage back when like those things were really big on YouTube. Um, and the song being used in it was Chelsea Smile. And I heard it and I was just kind of like, what the fuck is this? Like, I, I, I don't know if I've ever listened to anything like this. Um, so the video description said, you know, song, Chelsea Smile, Bring Me the Horizon. I looked it up on YouTube and like there was no going back after that. Like 
that moment legitimately changed my life because that was where I got to be exposed to the band that would ultimately have the biggest effect on me out of any other musical act in this medium. And, you know, I, I, I followed Bring Me the Horizon in intensely closely at after that i don't even know if i said that correctly intensely closely intensively closely whatever i'm not gonna go back and edit this you, you all get like the raw emotion out of me for this podcast sake um so yeah it was just like on the up after that for bring me the horizon and uh one of the reasons why amo is like so just like a, a tied to my heart is because it felt like the exclamation mark on the journey that i took growing up so I found Bring Me the Horizon when I was 13 years old. I heard Amo when I was 23. And it felt like as I grew up and matured and went through all of the, you know, trials and tribulations that I did in my personal life, so did the members of Bring Me the Horizon. And I have kind of grown up uh in unison with them. Uh you know, so when uh, Suicide Season was their new record, a song like Chelsea Smile is exactly what I wanted to hear. Granted, I would love hearing a song like that now from any other band, but at that particular time in 2008, like, that kind of, you know, metalcore, screamo, whatever you want to call it, like, that is what I was after. Whereas, by the time we got to Amo, I started to appreciate the bands from the scene that were able to take more chances and be more experimental and kind of more daring. And Bring Me the Horizon have never been anything but daring in their tenure. And so, you know, to go from having songs like Chelsea Smile and Diamonds Aren't Forever, and then you look before that, Pray for Plagues, Off the Hise, and then now having this collection that includes, you know, not only, uh, you know, songs that have like some kind of aggressive tone to them, like Wonderful Life, but then medicine mother tongue in the dark nihilist blues these songs that are so just like uh, different and not in alignment with anything that bring me were doing beforehand yet their identities were not compromised whatsoever this band managed to mature their own sound and try out these new things while still tr staying true to themselves and i really really do believe that they have been true to themselves the whole time um you know it, it, it's not a different band between Suicide Season and Amo. It's the same band, same people, same mentality, same mindset, just different time periods. And I think that is like so, uh, you know, just inherent to how I have grown as a person. You know, I'm still who I was from 2008, yet there's just been all these little things that have happened that have made me, you know, kind of different in certain areas. But at my core, I am still the same person that I was back then. And I can sense Bring Me the Horizon being the same band, the same humans at their core. And, you know, that's a big reason why Amo is so important to me. Um, The time period definitely plays a huge role in all of this. Uh, you know, if I hear Amo a year prior, two years prior, it's still probably going to end up being my favorite record of all time, but the particular time period that it dropped in, I needed this when it happened. So Mantra coming out, uh, actually, I'm going to save uh, the specific thoughts later on for when I go into each uh, song track by track. Um, but like, you know, Amo dropping January 2019, kind of setting the stage for what would be at that point, like the most, you know, life-changing and just, like, character-molding year I had ever experienced up to that point. And maybe still to this day, 2019 is the most transformative year I've ever experienced as a human. Um, you know, I, I went through so much that year. Shit that, like, would have really, really broken me down and battered me, and it did, but Amo was kind of always, like, you know, my anchor. It was the thing that would, like, you know, get me back on my feet and help me up and help me through all of the shit that I had to navigate all of a sudden. Um, I don't know what my life looks like in 2019 without Amo. I, I, you know, maybe it's an exaggeration to say that this record saved my life, but like, that's a real legitimate possibility. Amo really fucking could have saved my life. And it, it, there's so much I have to be grateful for that. And I think one of the coolest aspects when it comes to my adoration for Amo is the fact that I was able to go see Bring Me the Horizon live on this record cycle. I saw them in October of 2019 with Sleeping with Sirens and Poppy. It was also my first time seeing those two acts. So, um, you know, that was just like really, really cool for me on a personal level. Um, and I, I remember just kind of like uh, sitting in my room when I got home from that show and... I really tried like 
taking in everything and just like really living in the moment and understanding how goddamn privileged I was at that point in time. Because I got to see my favorite band in history perform my favorite song in history on the record cycle for my favorite record in history. And how many people actually get to say that, you know? So, like, to have all that happen to me in a single year, again, an incredibly tumultuous and um, necessary year for character growth, that meant the world to me. It, it, it genuinely just, like, you know, struck me in every nerve in my heart. And the, the effect of Amo is still felt to this day, three years later. And um, I really, really want to give time and attention to every single little facet and corner of this record so I can explain what makes it this just grandiose work that I see it as. And for me, the best way to do that is to go track by track. So I will literally go all the way down from tracks 1 through 13 and explain my connection to all of them. So track number one, I apologize if you feel something. So, I guess, POV, you are me, uh, going into January 25th, 2019, and you're sitting alone in your room, it's completely pitch dark, no lights, nothing, you have a mango Gatorade by the side of you because your mom mistook it for an orange Gatorade, it's still really fucking good though, and, um, I actually refer to that Gatorade as, like, Amo Juice now because of this record, but, you know, whatever, um, and you're, you're holding your phone in your hand, and you're just like, this is gonna sound so over the top and dramatic, but like, holding your phone and just looking at it and being like, as soon as I press play on this record, things are gonna change. Because That's the Spirit is no longer the most recent Bring Me work. It might not be my favorite record ever anymore once I finish hearing Amo. This is like genuinely the start of something brand new. And... I was ready for it, but I was also, like, kind of anxious, kind of nervous, and again, like, I know this is all, like, really, really dumb to say about some fucking record, but, like, that was what was happening. That's what was going through my mind. So, I finally press play, and I apologize if you feel something comes on, and just, like, there's something so atmospheric about the way the song starts, like, that little do-do-do-do-do, it just kind of, like, you know, lingers on, and it never really lets, um, its way out of my brain, um, the effect on the vocals just perfectly overlaps the electronic implementation of this song. And it's just like an intro track. It's not really meant to like, kind of stand out on its own, but it does because there's no way for Bring Me the Horizon to craft anything that isn't able to just kind of like have its own lifeblood and breathe something fresh into any record of theirs that they embark on. Um, and lyrically, like just you know, it's so short and simplified, yet it does everything that it needs to for, like, an opening song of an incredibly emphatic record. I saw you staring out of your own abyss again, waiting for something you're not even sure, you're not sure even still exists. Don't be afraid to wander, don't be afraid to be scared, it should never be a prison, so I apologize if you feel something, but love is all we have, feel something, or if I steal something, please remember it was mine, feel something. And... I'm going to read off like this little excerpt uh, on the genius annotations that Ollie Sykes gave in an interview with NME back when this record was brand new. I guess the message is, love is worth fighting for and it's not something you should compromise in terms of what you have. You should be able to find something pure, something that you value, you feel cherished and feel thankful for having. If you don't, then you should fight to get it to that point or to find something else. My worry was people thinking I have a negative viewpoint on love because that's not at all the case. I think it's just everything. If you don't have love, life is not worth living. So taking into account like that is the opening message for Amo. The idea of love being something that is worth fighting for. And it's something that, you know, if you think you have it, but you don't really feel like you have it, you need to just like further your search for it. This exploration um, narrative that is so 
driven into the concept of love for Amo. And I remember Ollie said before that like the name of the album Amo can be like taken in two different interpretations as in being like, you know, the literal translation for love, but then also uh, love acting as like ammunition, you know, ammo. And like, uh, again, considering what kind of a year 2019 was for me, just the fact that I was able to start the year with this kind of message, you know, resonating with me, it was so like you know, fitting and almost as if like something or somebody out there was like looking out for me and making sure that I heard this record at the moment that I did so I, I could be prepared for everything that was to come forward. And I know I went off like on a tangent right there. I apologize if you feel something is one of the most powerful and impactful intro songs I have ever heard on a record. Track number two, Mantra. Um, this is where it all started. This was the lead single for Amo, and I can vividly remember the anticipation that was building for me to finally hear Mantra, because I think what Bring Me the, Ri the Horizon had been doing was, uh, at the beginning of August in 2018, the band had kind of like been scattering some messages. I, I can't remember exactly where in terms of location, but just like scattering these little messages, and then there was like a number you could call, and... Uh, you call the number and you hear Ollie say, do you want to start a cult with me? And then you kind of hear like this mashup of different distorted clips from Mantra. And just understanding like, okay, there's a new song from Bring Me the Horizon coming. It's the start of a new record cycle. Like, I have no idea what to expect. And then um, I believe this might have been the first time... I ever listened to Animax radio show on BBC One to listen to the premiere of Mantra. It was Tuesday, August, um, I, I can't even remember the exact day off the top of my head. If I looked at my calendar, I could uh, pinpoint it. Actually, let me go ahead and do that just so this, uh, you know, retrospect review of Amo is more complete. Um, it won't even take that long. I don't know why I'm bugging. Um, August 21st, 2018. I remember the very first time I heard Mantra, I was just kind of walking around my house listening to the song, and God, it, it just from the, the moment you press play on it, or the moment it came on, rather, for the premiere, uh, that, like, drum intro just, like, kind of, like, pulsates through my brain and, and affects all of, like, the wavelengths in me, and God, there's something so just infectious about that riff and how it just carries the track and how this song always knows where it's meant to be at the right place at the right time it knows when to slow itself down it knows when it's okay to build the energy back up ollie's initial line do you want to start a cult with me i think is one of the most important lines i've ever listened to in my life like honestly it just kind of like you know i i, I think perfectly sets the tone for amo and the idea of like kind of just like following Ollie throughout this journey that details some of the most, uh, you know, crucial and um, invasive details of his life, given what he had been through between the cycles for That's the Spirit and Amo. Um, that chorus, when it comes in, one of my favorite choruses of all time. Before the truth will set you free, it'll piss you off. And I. Okay. This is one of those areas where I remember when I did the Top 100 Song series and I got to songs like uh, She Knows It by Maggie Linneman, Commit by Tiger's Jaw, Face Me by The Plot and You. I couldn't really go into like full on detail about those songs the way I wanted to because of like how I'm actually able to relate to them. And Mantra is a little bit similar. And, you know, going back to the line that I just said, before the truth will set you free, it'll piss you off. Understanding that line in uh, relation to the overall narrative of love when it comes to Amo, like that stuck with me. That really, really genuinely had a great massive impact on me. Um, Mantra is one of my favorite songs of all time. I think it's my favorite lead single ever. I 
cannot remember an instance of me hearing a lead single for a record that I thought was better than Mantra. You know, maybe Concrete by Poppy is up there, and if I really, really think about it, there's going to be a couple of others, but just, you know, as it stands right now, Mantra is the fucking lead single of the goddamn century as far as I'm concerned. Track number three, Nihilist Blues featuring Grimes. So I also remember one of the things that I would do in the lead up to Amo was I was actively seeking out any kind of info on what these songs sounded like. I had not really done that for a record ever since probably, well, it was That's the Spirit, but before that it had been the self-titled Avenged Sevenfold album from 2007. So when I like, you know, go out of my way to do that, like that's because I truly, truly fucking care about what it is I'm going to hear. And I already have this pre-established connection to the material before even understanding what it's even composed of. Um, so I, you know, look up stuff and towards the like, you know, release of Amo as days were getting closer. Um, there were more and more accounts of what this record sounded like, not just from people, but also the band in like, uh, you know, full on extensive interviews that they would do. And I remember every source when it came to Nihilus Blues said it had like a, like an electronic, uh, rave kind of a feel to it. And, you know, I could hear that kind of, uh, that kind of sonic tone from other areas, you know, like I, I, I think I like electronic music. I would say that I do. EDM, dubstep, drum and bass, all that stuff. I genuinely do like that. Um, and when you throw in the term rave, I kind of have an understanding of what that means in terms of like how something sounds. Um, but to understand that there was a Bring Me the Horizon song in that area, it was just kind of like, okay, what exactly are they doing for this record? I know they're going to take a bunch of chances. I know that there are going to be so many songs on here that I you know, kind of to take a step back and be like, whoa, what the fuck was that? Um, I don't think there was any way that I could have been prepared for Nihilus Blues, even with all of that extensive research that I just talked about. There was no way that I could have gone into Nihilus Blues with an understanding of what it sounded like from the beginning. So the way the song starts, that like synthesized rhythm that leads into Ollie with this just like uh, complete, uh, you know, overlayer to his vocals. Like this, you know, track is like, um, just has like those extensive effects when it comes to the vocal delivery. Yet I think it just perfectly assimilates itself into the electronic chaos that is engulfing Nihilus Blues. And then even when Ali becomes more um, like audible and you can understand what he's saying, I'm a spirit in a tomb. Won't somebody raise the roof? I'm going white, I'm going black, I'm going blue. Do you mind if I'm exhumed? It just, the, the way that, that, you know, I don't, is it even the chorus? It might be the pre-chorus. I wouldn't even know for sure. Um, it, it just like, it, it elevates Bring Me the Horizon to this entirely new level that I knew that they could have been capable of, but I didn't know I was going to get that going into Amo. I, again, I knew that they were going to take chances. I didn't know that they were going to jump off the fucking cliff and just absolutely stick the landing in every possible manner um the grimes feature when you know you initially hear her give those lines light as a feather stiff as a board i sink to the floor and the, the song kind of just like goes into this entirely new gear and it just you know like that idea of like this electronic rave yeah that was true but you know what that rave is in fucking hell dog um grimes is one of like the the most out there possibility that there could have been for a bring me the horizon feature yet she fucking killed it she was necessary and vital to the development of nihilist blues and i cannot express like the out-of-body experience i had when i heard this record or this song for the first time and every single time i've heard it afterwards um the, the line that repeats all the way throughout the end of the song please don't follow and just the way that the song you know like feels like it's fully coming to life and you know it, it feels like the summarization of everything you heard please don't follow repeating itself over and over and over and over and over again 
I just, like, it, it did something to me. Like, genuinely, it really, really did. And then there was something that happened to me in May of 2019. I won't get into it because you don't need to know about that shit. Where I just got that please don't follow line. That was haunting me, dude. It was genuinely just like this, you know, additional layer to what I already thought was the entirety of my life. Nihilus Blues is fucking awesome. Truck number four, In the Dark. This was kind of a trip because I remember kind of just closing my eyes when I heard in the dark and what I visualized was like um somebody walking down a street and you know every community that he passes through is just like completely fenced off and there's a sunset in the background and the guy or, or whoever it is walking you know is kind of just like keeping to themselves and looking straight forward and not realizing that the sun is dimming behind them and these chain-linked fences are never ending. That is an incredibly fucking strange way to describe this song, but that's what came to my mind. Um, I remember the first time I heard In the Dark, I thought it sounded like Justin Timberlake. Like, I, I don't really know why that was the initial comparison I made in my head, but that's just kind of what was happening. Um, so In the Dark, it doesn't really like... um you know, juxtapose everything that is happening on Amo, but I feel like it juxtaposes the, like, perceived nature of Bring Me the Horizon almost to their core in a lot of ways. Because if you play somebody this, like, okay, say you approach somebody who's, don't do this, say you approach somebody who has never heard of Bring Me the Horizon before. You play them in the dark, and then Diamonds Aren't Forever back-to-back. And you ask them, was this the same band? They're gonna say no. But again, that's kind of one of the reasons why I love Bring Me the Horizon so much because of how they've been able to mature and progress their own sound and adapt to whatever it is that's happening, you know, in their lives as you go from teenagers like they were when they started to band all the way to adulthood and the troubles that can come with that. Lyrically, like, uh, In the Dark contains some of my favorite moments ever, not just from Bring Me the Horizon, but in the totality of music. Ooh, I've done it again, dug a little deeper, and it's all caved in, now I free fall in a black hole, I know I'm getting warm because I feel so cold, but I'm looking on the bright side now, trying to figure out somehow, it's looking like a write-off now, I think we need to talk like now. And that's just the first verse, and then you go into the chorus, and the chorus, like, just embodies every single thing that I love so much about In the Dark. So don't swear to God, he never asked you, it's not his heart you drove a knife through, it's not his world you turned inside out, not his tears still rolling down. Jesus Christ, you're so damn cold, don't you know you've lost control? Forget about the things you think I know, no secret, you can't keep me in the dark. And what I love so much about the song, like, or ra- rather one of the many things I love, is the contrast between In the Dark and then also what was being discussed in, uh, I, I apologize if you feel something, about how, like, love is worth pursuing, yet within the dark, this could be one of those moments where you get fucked over so badly and your heart is just shattered and you think, no, love is not worth it, like, this shit hurts, I can't do this anymore. And I can admit to, you know, relying on In the Dark in some of my own darkest moments over the last three years and some of the moments where, you know, just affection and attraction and romance and all those things, like, you know, they just constricted me and In the Dark was so easy to fall back on like a kind of cushion. Um, And to continue the lyrical stuff, the bridge is also just completely out of this realm. I'm not looking for salvation, just a little faith in anyone or anything. And again, when it goes back to my own personal experiences, those particular lines, I'm not looking for salvation, just a little faith in anyone or anything, that was embedded in my brain. That was constantly on a loop in all of my thought process. Um, I also want to say this real quick. When In the Dark got singles treatment, it got did fucking dirty. Let me say that. Um, so the music video dropped towards the end of October. It was the week that I went to go see them on tour with Sirens and Poppy. And I remember... Um, they premiered In the Dark live on one of those shows that week. It might have been like Monday or Tuesday. I don't remember exactly. But they played it live. And in my mind, I, I see that. And I'm like, holy fuck, I'm going to get to hear In the Dark live on Friday. 
So I'm at the show, and I think before, um, uh, it wasn't, God, was it Can You Feel My Heart? Or it might have been Throne. I don't remember exactly what song it was. But when the band is just kind of like in between songs, uh, bannering with the audience, Ali said something like, um, we were going to play In the Dark, but Jordan doesn't want to. And the crowd did not react at all. Nobody gave a shit that they weren't playing In the Dark, except for me. In my head, I'm like, man, I want to hear In the Dark. Fuck Jordan. I want this shit. Um, and, you know, they just, they just proceeded. I think two weeks later, Ludens drops as the new single for Bring Me the Horizon. And so In the Dark was just kind of buried. And also, um, on the, uh, that EP that they did at the end of 2019, the, uh, music to pray to, sleep to, blaze to, fuck to, whatever it was, um, there is a song on there. It's, it, it's called, okay. I'm going to say upside down question mark. That's not actually the name of it. It's just a literal upside down question mark, like the symbol. Um, and it has Halsey on vocals and it's literally her singing a verse off of in the dark. And, you know, I, I would have been just like completely fucking floored had instead of releasing in the dark, the album version as a single, you drop as a standalone in the dark featuring Halsey. That would have been so fucking OP, dude, and it sucks that they didn't do that, but, you know, I, I can't really complain when In the Dark is one of those songs that I just kind of tell myself time and time again, hey, maybe you should really question, is this your favorite song of all time? Not just Bring Me, but ever. Track 5, Wonderful Life featuring Danny Filth. This was the second single for Amo. It premiered again on Animax Radio Show on a Sunday in October. And I think along with this single came the announcement that Amo is being pushed from the middle of January to January 25th, which, you know, selfishly sucked. And I was really looking forward to having that early January release. But uh, there wasn't really too much I could complain about when I was able to hear Wonderful Life and just like fall in love with this band all over again. Um, so I believe the origin story for Wonderful Life, uh, is Ollie and Jordan went to go write with Limp Biscuit for their new album, which ended up being Still Sucks. And I think Ollie and Jordan had said it was just like not a good experience and it wasn't really anything worth their time. Um, but they had this riff that they wrote and they took it with them to put into their own material. That riff was the riff to Wonderful Life. Which, in my head, understanding that this originated as a Limp Bizkit project, the sound of Wonderful Life makes all the sense in the world. It has that new metal vibrancy to it. It's very, like, chuggy. Uh, the verses, they're not rapping per se, but Ollie has this flow that you can't necessarily find anywhere else on the record. It's just, like, so fucking cool. The chorus is so goddamn explosive and just one of the best courses I think this band has ever done. Alone getting high on a Saturday night. I'm on the edge of a knife. Nobody cares if I'm dead or alive. Oh, what a wonderful life. Um, Danny Filth's feature on this track. It seemingly comes out of nowhere. I, I think the band had said that they wanted something like this as, like, a, a way of tying into their roots and the kind of like metal background that they came from, you know, Danny Filth being the vocalist of Cradle of Filth, one of the more notable bands to come from that scene, I believe. Um, and, and Danny just kind of like, you know, injects like this, um, like energy into wonderful life that wasn't missing, but hearing his delivery on the, uh, the bridge, it was just kind of like, man what would this song have been like without danny the music video is also just like really fucking uh, amazing it's like kind of simple it just has like danny and the band members like you know doing these like really mundane ordinary tasks uh but having this uh song be layered over that it, it kind of shows like just the you know the overall um what's the word the generic nature of life, I guess, and just how we all go about our days without really thinking about anything. We're kind of just like robots and zombies in a way. Um, and I really, really enjoy that. I, I think Wonderful Life is one of the most fulfilling and complete songs that Bring Me the Horizon have ever written. I cannot thank Limp Bizkit enough for doing whatever it was that they did to fuck up their writing sessions with Bring Me so that Ollie and Jordan could take this song to Amo. Track 6, Ouch.
there are a lot of things I can say about Ouch. Um, for starters, I think this is the greatest interlude song ever made. I think this is the greatest sub two minute song ever made. I think this is one of the best songs on this record. One of the best songs Bring Me the Horizon have ever written. One of the best songs of all fucking time. And th the crazy thing is, like, I'm pretty sure that was not the intention. I don't think that's what was um, necessarily meant for Ouch. Um, so it's only like a minute and a half long, uh, maybe minute 40, minute 50, whatever the, that span actually is. It's very, very short. Um, it's kind of just meant to be the lead-in for the next song, which, you know, we'll get into extensively. But ouch, uh, it tastes like this electronic drum and bass type rhythm, and you have these uh, vocals laid over it in like a really, really high-pitched, like, nightcore type of uh, tone. Yet, it's some of the most just poignant moments lyrically on this whole record. I always knew this was going to end in tears, didn't think your wrist would keep a souvenir, and I thought that I had heard it all, till I heard your lover screaming down the phone, I know I said I was under your spell, but this hex is on another level, and I know I said you could drag me through hell, said I hoped you wouldn't fuck the devil. This is one of those moments where Ollie gets like so fucking deep and personal that there's nothing you can do except for commend him for being this vulnerable on Amo. So, uh, one of the particular lines there, uh, I know I said I was under your spell, but this hex is on another level, and I know I said you could drive me through hell, said I hoped you wouldn't fuck the devil. That is a callback to Follow You, which is off of that spirit, and it was written about Hannah, at the time, Ollie's wife. Because, uh, like, part of the chorus of that song says, like, um, so you can drag me through hell, if a man I could hold your hand, I will follow you, because I'm under your spell, and you can throw me to the flames, I will follow you, I will follow you. You know, it was a love song written for her, and then... Whatever happened between Ollie and Hannah happened, and they separated, and then Ouch was, like, kind of Ollie taking back everything that he said about her on Follow You, and mixing it in this new, hateful, vengeful way, yet it's part of a song that does not sound hateful or vengeful at all. It's kind of upbeat in some ways, yet it's the most emo, EDM, drum and bass, whatever you want to call it, song I've ever listened to, and again, it is one of my favorite fucking tracks I've ever been able to listen to. I love Ouch so much and just like in the dark in, in some of my more painful moments when it comes to dealing with love and feelings ouch is right there for me to hold me through all of it track seven medicine you need a taste of your own I mentioned earlier that um, when I really thought about what had happened to me after seeing Bring Me the Horizon live in October 2019, I was able to tell myself I got to see my favorite band of all time, play my favorite song of all time, on the cycle for my favorite record of all time. That song is medicine. Um, you know, I had ideas or concepts rather in my mind to someday record episodes where I talk about my favorite Bring Me the Horizon songs ever or just my favorite songs in general ever. That's kind of out the window now that I'm telling all of you directly here right now in this moment. Medicine is my favorite song of all time. There is nothing that beats it. I can say, okay, what about In the Dark? What about Ouch? And then even, you know, prior Bring Me the Horizon songs, what about Sleepwalking? What about uh, Crucify Me? What about them? Seriously. At that point, like, I can't even really question it. It's fucking medicine. It has been medicine since January 3rd, 2019, when I heard the premiere of this single on Animax Radio Show, and just, like, understanding immediately, like, oh my fucking god, this is special. This isn't just, like, you know, a song that I'm gonna, like, you know, listen to on repeat and be like, okay, that's cool. No, like, this means something to me. Like, this is piercing me right through every fucking pore in my heart that I, I can ask for a dark, romantic song like medicine to do. Some people are a lot like clouds, you know, because life's so much brighter when they go. You know, that's the intro and outro line, and it's admittedly kind of corny and cheesy, I guess, yet it speaks to what Amo is telling you in its narrative so fucking well. Because I cut my teeth and bit my tongue till my mouth was dripping blood, but I never ditched the dirt, just held my breath while you dragged me through the mud. I don't know why I tried to save you, because I can't save you from yourself when all you give a shit about is everybody else. The, like, 
pop inspired electronic backing of the verses and how quiet they sound while Ollie is laying over these really emotional and heartfelt lyrics it makes medicine just from that point in the first verse like a standout song in not just Amma but the history of Bring Me the Horizon and then once you get into the chorus I feel like that is where the song just really 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 takes its mantle for me as my favorite song ever. You need a taste of your own medicine, cause I'm sick to death of swallowing, watch me take the wheel like you, not feel like you, act like other things real like you, so I'm sorry for this, it might sting a bit. The, the, just the way that this song is delivered, to me, like, yeah, there were chances taken, you know, you had Mantra and One for Life as the two prior singles, Medicine made it clear like, hey, this record is not, you know, just... A, an extension off of that spirit like there's a lot of really strange pop inspired shit going on here that maybe you fuck with maybe you don't um and I, I was totally okay with that i accepted medicine for what it was and to me what it was and what it is is my favorite song ever crafted um just everything about this song works the the lyrics the instrumentation the structure of it the layout the way that these moments fulfill what they're built up as like that bridge i i can't emphasize enough just how many times i can listen to amo and or medicine rather and just you know start back from the beginning of the bridge and how just impactful it is on my mentality um that slow really quiet faint bit between the bridge and the final chorus um, the, the way that the song literally ends, the way that it begins, it just feels like this, you know, real, genuine journey through the tumultuous life of Ollie Sykes between the cycles for That's a Spirit and Amo, and just the way that I was able to take a song like Medicine and carry it with me through the dark times, the bad times, the moments where love fucking stung and hurt, and then even the moments where, you know, it, it wasn't so bad. Medicine has always been there for me. It always will be there for me. I legitimately cannot thank this band enough for delivering medicine to me and for the song to have the, the kind of impact on me that it has. I generally, guys, like my life is different without medicine. There's a chance that like, you know, for one reason or, or another, this podcast does not happen had it not been for medicine. Medicine is everything to me. Medicine saved me. Medicine is all i want from here on out like i i could never ever listen to another new song again from bring me the horizon or any other band but if i have medicine with me that's enough track eight sugar honey ice and tea So my initial listen of Amo, after Medicine, even though I had already heard that song a fuck ton of times before January 25th, I still had to like pause at the end of it and just kind of like take in what had happened to me all throughout the runtime of Amo and just think to myself like, there's still a handful of songs to go through. Like, how does this record, you know, how is it going to just like keep up the momentum? How is it going to keep getting better and better from what it already is? Because all the way from I apologize if you feel something to medicine, I have already in my head declared this the best record I've ever listened to. And then understanding like, okay, it's not finished yet. I press play for Sugar Honey Ice and Tea. That like kind of like quiet guitar intro that goes into this explosive riff, it just took me back. And like, you know, Sugar Honey Ice and Tea is one of those songs that if you're just coming for the more like rock inspired side of Bring Me the Horizon, this is your song. This is up there. I think after hearing Alma for the, for the first time, I felt that Sugar Honey Ice and Tea was my favorite song of the new batch, not the singles. Um, ultimately, that doesn't really stand, but Sugar Honey Ice and Tea is still just this fucking epic journey it is everything that i could ask for out of like that more aggressive tone when it comes to bring me the horizons delivery um i vividly remember when i went to go see this band live october 2019 uh in the intro for sugar honey ice and tea right before that riff comes in ollie said something something to the effect of 
if you feel depressed, then dance. And as soon as he finished saying that, fucking everybody started jumping. And I was just like, man, these are my people right now. Like, this is where I belong. This is where I should be. Music has gotten me to this point in my life. And I know now for a fact that I'm on the right pathway. This is everything that I'm supposed to be embodying. And Sugar Honey Ice and Tea really, really, like, uh, you know, relays that info to a fucking T, in my opinion. Um, the chorus is, like, just so infectious. It has no right to be catchy, especially given, like, there's only really one thing happening here, and it's just, like, that repeated line of Sugar Honey Ice and Tea. Um, the song just works, man. Everything about Sugar Honey Ice and Tea is just, like, it, it's heaven, dude. It's literally, like, you know, this euphoric experience for myself musically, and there's nothing about it that I think just, like, falls flat in any way. The build-up in the bridge to, you know, that, like, mini guitar solo and then into the final chorus, that is, like, the pinnacle of this song, in my opinion. And we all march on like we know the way to heaven. Who the hell died and made you the king? We don't know what we want, but we know that we want it. Yeah, we want it. We want it right now. This song is fucking sick, dude. I genuinely just love it so much. Um, And just kind of, like, you know, it it's perfect. I, I can't really say much else. Track 9, Why You Gotta Kick Me When I'm Down. So come on and take a shot, you just can't get enough. Don't let the fact that you know nothing stop you talking now. When all is said and done, my name's still on your tongue. So tell me why you gotta kick me when I'm down. I think coming out of my first listen of Amo, Why You Gotta Kick Me When I'm Down was the one that like stuck out to me the most as being the most jarring and the most different from Bring Me The Horizon, at least in terms of what I expected going into the record. Because I knew that there were going to be like some rock songs, some pop songs, in the case of Nihilus Blues and Ouch, like these really electronic experiment tracks. Yet, once you got to Why You Gotta Kick Me When I'm Down... There's like a real hip hop influence happening here, and not like a like hip hop in the sense of like you know old um, rap music, like old school rap, but something more contemporary to like the SoundCloud scene that was like really really popping in the late 2010s. Um, admittedly, like it just kind of has like that same flow, that same like energy to it, um, and just the way that Ollie delivers that first verse, like it just really really like kind of took me by surprise. You on the edge of your seat, and you got someplace to be, was hoping the suspense would kill you, tell me how would you begin, watching and waiting to sink your teeth in, come on and give me your expert opinion, ah fuck it, I settled down in the dump, heard the crowd screaming jump, so I came to the window, they always want to kick you when you're down, I said what the fuck have I done, they said we just want your blood, you know we like you in better limbo, they always want to kick you when you're down. So, lyrically, what's happening here is Ollie is speaking about his relationship with the audience, and how, how sometimes that can be, you know, kind of like, uh overstepping their boundaries in a way and the way that it can have like a real effect on him and how he you know processes these emotions and even if you take the song out of that context and apply it to just yourself um or rather in this case myself you know the idea of like why you gotta kick me when i'm down things don't really ever go my way more often than not um or at least like from what i would like for them to be um I do not have the life currently that I wanted. I don't have the life that I, I envisioned. Um, there are different factors for why that's the case. Some of them are my fault. Some of them are not. But I'm not here to complain about why my life sucks sometimes. But I will say that why you got to kick me when I'm down. It just really speaks to that notion of like, can I just get a fucking break? Like, can the world just like stop throwing these things at me that I don't know how to process? Um, the outro, like the fake out in, in, in that sequence, honestly, one of my favorite moments on the whole record. And it really, really caught me off guard, like thinking that the song was over. And then it comes back for that final beat and how like, it just sounds like so catchy, like the do, 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 It's everything to me, dude. I love that shit. Track 10, Fresh Bruises. So, in the similar vein to I Apologize If You Feel Something and Ouch, Fresh Bruises is meant to be like an interlude song, yet it has like a similar runtime and length to 
the actual quote-unquote real songs on this record, and it has like so much life and character to it that, you know, it, it measures up to everything else on Amo. Like, this is more than just an interlude. This is a real class on the part of Jordan Fish in terms of, like, his production and what he can bring to uh, the band instrumentally when it comes to his electronic influence. Um, so th there's really not a ton happening lyrically here, while also there is a ton. The only lyrics being spoken here are, don't you try to fuck with me, don't you hide your love. Um, and just the way that, like, that, uh, you know, sequence of lines just, like, kind of, like, goes through all these different evolutions in the song. So sometimes it's playing when nothing is happening, and then other times it comes in when there's just, like, so much anarchy going on electronically in the background. Um, you know, I can look at these lyrics, you know, all two lines here, and really understand what's happening, and it's kind of like, um... You know, it's the perfect tie into the next song because it's kind of laying out the groundwork for what you could be looking in in some kind of a relationship after you've been through so much hell. Literally telling, you know, your uh, possible partner, don't you try to fuck with me? Don't you hide your love? Uh, essentially, just like, you know, if I'm bearing my soul to you, all I ask for in return is for you not to, you know, do the kind of harm to it that has been done to it already. Um, Just this really, really, like heartfelt and heartbreaking narrative and again it's only through two lines and i think that's one of the most outstanding parts of fresh bruises it's able to get across everything that it needs to so emotionally with the bare minimum work done lyrically and again instrumentally just so much happening here it's an electronic showcase and it's one of the coolest experiments i think bring to the horizon have ever done track 11 mother tongue There's so much that I can say about Mother Tongue. Um, maybe like the most storied song on this record when it comes to like my own personal experiences and how I can relate this song to, you know, moments and times and dates in my life. Um, so Mother Tongue, this dropped the Tuesday, the week that Amo released. So that would have been January 22nd, 2019. And so, okay, I was still in my undergrad in college at the time, and on Tuesdays and Thursdays, my schedule was from 9.30 to 10.45, and then 11 to 12.15. The song premiered not on uh, BBC One Radio, but on Apple Radio, or something like that, I believe. Um, so, and it was at 11 in Central Time, which is when I was supposed to have been in class. Uh, key phrase there, supposed to have been. So I went to my first class and I went outside on a bench to just sit down and hear the premiere of Mother Tongue. Keep in mind, this song was going to go up on Spotify as soon as the premiere finished. So even when I got out of that 1215 course, the song would have been there for me to hear. But in my mind, I'm like, I have to hear this when it premieres. I just have to. I heard Mantra, Wonderful Life, and Medicine when they premiered. I need to hear Mother Tongue. And... I made it my priority over class. So I sat down on the bench, didn't go to class, heard Mother Tongue, and was fucking floored, dude. Genuinely just left speechless, and I could not believe what I was hearing, and also how fucking good it sounded. This is like the most pop-centric song on the record, maybe the most pop-centric song this band has ever fucking done, yet... It's everything to me, and I keep saying that about every fucking song on here, but genuinely, they all mean so much to me. Um, Mother Tongue is so just, like, emotional and heartfelt, and the kind of song that, you know, if things are ever able to go my way, and I do have that happy ending in love, per se, Mother Tongue is gonna be the song that I turn to. Mother Tongue is gonna be right there for me. Um, and it, it has been there for me, and I can't act like it hasn't. I remember, um, <laughs> uh, when I saw this band live, October 2019, I keep mentioning that time again, but, you know, it's really important to me. Um, they played this song, and in the bridge, where Ollie keeps saying, uh, I think best way to explain it, it's like, yeah, kind of like that, but a little more, yeah, all makes sense, right? Um, 
that didn't sound nearly as good in my head reciting it. But um, so the the the, the harmonies in, in that uh, bridge where Ali says like, oh, oh, he was asking us, the crowd, to sing that back to him. And we did. Right before the final chorus came in, I just screamed out into the sky. I didn't care who around me heard it. I screamed out somebody's fucking name. Will not recite the name, but I screamed out someone's name, and it's been three years since that song premiered, and um, nothing happened. <laughs> nothing fucking happened. Um, shit, I am fucking psychotic. Uh, I'm gonna leave this in the the audio. I don't give a shit. Um, so, uh, after certain events unfolded, I could not listen to Mother Tongue. It was just not possible for me. It was unbearable. Um, but the reason why I was able to eventually listen to it again is because for as, like, many bad memories as I have associated to it, it is fucking good, and I can't pretend that it's not. So don't say you love me, fala amo, just let your heart speak up and I'll know, no amount of words could ever find a way to make sense of this, so I want to hear your Mother Tongue. Bro, that shit goes fucking hard. This song is incredible. Mother Tongue is fucking outstanding, dog. And, you know, again, for as many good and bad memories as I have tied to it, I love Mother Tongue with all my heart. Track 12, Heavy Metal. Fuck gatekeeping, fuck elitism, fuck everybody who wants to complain about Bring Me the Horizon not being heavy anymore, and how they're shit, and how they're fucking stupid, and how anybody who likes them is into bad music. Fuck you, alright? Heavy metal is the biggest fucking middle finger that this band could have possibly given to that side of the music spectrum, where it's just people complaining and complaining and complaining and bitching and bitching about this band not being heavy anymore. Well, guess what? They're fucking kind of heavy now. I mean, Post Human had some pretty heavy shit on there. Dear Diary, Kingslayer. Um, but heavy metal, I think, was kind of necessary for this band to write. And I don't fault them for feeling like they had to get this shit out there. Because I, I can't really imagine just being in their positions and, you know, on one end being admired and then the other just having these people come at you because of some decisions you've decided to make with your art. Because it's the same story for anybody who deals with like some kind of, uh, you know, public medium of entertainment or art or whatever. You know, you can be given, you know, all these compliments in the world and they mean something, yet that like one negative voice is going to be so prevalent in your head despite all of the acclaim um and, and so heavy metal again was necessary and i keep picking pedals i'm afraid you don't love me anymore because a kid on the gram in a black dahlia tank says it ain't heavy metal yeah i keep picking pedals got my heart and my head all in the wars because some kid from a&r in a patagonia says he don't really get it no um like i admire so much about uh heavy metal and how it kind of takes a turn away from you know the idea of romantic love and then turning it to something more akin to what was happening with why you got kicked me when i'm down and it come it, it talks about like the uh you know that double-edged love and admiration for this band and how those who maybe fucked with you before you know suddenly don't and they have like this vendetta against the band for not being heavy quote-unquote anymore um i i love how they just went after black dolly murder like we're not really going after them but just like going after the uh you know the the general image of what that kind of a fan looks like and that's not like you know um being necessarily like uh critical of somebody's you know appearance or their aesthetic but just like that general generally is like you know the type of person that is coming after this band in the most negative ways possible um the outro of heavy metal and how ollie screams to kind of show like you know yeah i can do this if i want to but i don't want to um I think that's something that Chester Bennington had also kind of, uh, 
you know, spoken about back on some of the later cycles for Linkin Park and how, like, you know, the band could make the kind of music that they used to if they wanted to. The thing is that they just don't really want to. Like, that's not what they're interested in anymore. This is what they want to explore now. And, you know, all of the respect in the world to Big Me the Horizon for going about those adventures and taking this brief moment to just, you know, kind of fight back at those people who wanted to rebel against them. Track 13, I Don't Know What to Say. Wish I told you this before it got too dark. Where do you start? When you know it has to end. There's really no better title for the final song on this record because coming out of it, Literally, I didn't know what to say. There was nothing that I could formulate in my mind to fully get across what Amo had already meant to me by the time I got to the final song. Um, so I don't know what to say. Um, it has like this orchestral energy to it. And I, I think the tie-in comes from the Royal Albert Hall show that this band did back in 2016. Um, that's at least like the, again, the instrumental tie-in. Lyrically, the song is about Ollie's friend Aiden who passed away from cancer. And Ollie had said that, um, you know, even though like, uh, lyrically, I don't know what to say, sounds like it's about somebody who has already passed. It was written before Ollie or, uh, Aiden passed. I'm sorry. Um, so I have this quote from Ollie pulled up on Genius's website and it's from an interview he gave with NME. It's me nervously saying things because I didn't get to see him before he died. It was scary to think about because how can you talk to someone before they die? You can't tell them it's going to be alright when you know it's not. It's also about how brave he was. If I had a timestamp put on my life, I'd just be so selfish and scared and be like, fuck the world. How do you even get out of bed with that weighing down on you? Um, so, hey, guess what I'm going to talk about right now? My cat, Mikasa. I know I do this all the time, and I, I genuinely, I am sorry, but I understand that so much of like what has been shaped uh, with my life over the last year comes from her and the experiences that I had dealing with her passing. Um, so what Ollie spoke about, about how like, um, if you could put a timestamp on your life, you'd just be like, you know, fuck this, like, how am I supposed to live knowing that I'm going to die? That was le legit something that I had to like really, really fight with in the, the months after she passed away. It, because it really, really, like, kind of made me understand for the first time, like, hey, I'm gonna die one day, and I don't know when. So, like, what's even worth fighting for if I know I'm just gonna not be here someday? Like, why put time into the podcast when I'm gonna die and not be able to do it someday? Why invest so much money into my hobbies and my future when one day I'm not gonna have any fucking hobbies or any fucking future because I'm fucking dead? And, and this is all really dark, I understand that, but again, these are just the kind of conversations I was having having with myself in my head because of the trauma I was experiencing. And, you know, talking with my parents and them trying to calm me down from all these thoughts, they couldn't really say anything up, up to calm, to like uh, ease my, my worries because, no, I will die one day. And I don't know when that happens. And it's hard for me to be so just emotionally invested in anything sometimes because of that knowledge that one day it's all going to be gone. I will be gone. And I don't know what to say is one of those songs that like in those dark moments, it just has so much beauty laced all throughout it. I'll see you at the gates when it gets dark. You jump the wall. I'll find a place to park, kill the angels that they're keeping guard. How do I start when you don't know what to say? No, I don't know what to say. And then even once you get further into the song, it just like feels so much more personal to Ollie. A doppelganger with a telling scar. I saw the universe hidden in your heart. Wish I told you this before it got too dark. Where do you start when it know it has to end? That has always like rang in my fucking mind. Where do you start when you know it has to end? And I don't even mean that about my life, but just like in anything that I do, like, you know, relationships with people, personal attachments to stuff, job opportunities, all this shit. Where do you start when you know it has to end? Nothing is eternal. One day, all of this will be gone. I will be gone. And I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know what to do about that. I don't know what to say. Yet... In the moments where I don't know what to say, Bring Me is putting the words into my mouth and I cannot thank them enough for that.
How a flower in the rain only grows more when it's gray. You just shined on brighter, making gold out of the pain. I can die, but I can't break, you said. You can rule, I won't obey. As long as I'm still smiling, well, I don't know what to say. And let me speak real quick about, like, that particular line. The last one. Well, I don't know what to say. Right after that, right after that happens, the song pauses, and then it comes back for this final instrumental showcase that really just acts as the exclamation point to everything that Amo did. And I'm listening to that outro, and I understand, like, hey, the record finished. I did it. I made it through Amo, and now I know definitively I have my favorite record of all time. I didn't have to hesitate to feel that way. I knew from the moment, I don't know what to say, finished playing, that Amo was my new number one. It was my favorite record of all time. It's the piece of music that means most to me. It's the reason why I'm here. It's the reason why this podcast exists. It's the reason why you're all listening to me talk right now. And if we have had any interactions over the last three years, the only reason why that happened was because of Amo. Amo is my fucking life. Amo means the world to me, and I will never, ever let anyone take that from me. I don't care what kind of slander I can possibly receive in the future from people in the scene who question why Amo is my favorite album of all time. Amo is the most critical piece of entertainment and art that I have ever had the privilege of being exposed to. Amo is everything to me. And that was it. I went on for an over an hour explaining to all of you why Amo by Bring Me the Horizon means so much to me. Um, if you've never heard this album before, I strongly fucking encourage you to please do so. If you've already heard it, go hear it again. Like, there, there is no limit to this record and the kind of impact it's had on me and the kind of impact it can have on me for the rest of my life. I am so fucking attached to Amo. It's not even ridiculous, guys. Um, but yeah, that was really all I had to say. I will just go ahead and let everybody go now. Um, do what you're going to do. Go hear Amo. Go hear something else. Go about your day. It's all good. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this chapter. Bonus chapter. And as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene. <laughs>